This Ends at Prom is a critical analysis podcast and is being produced in the midst of the SAG-AFTRA strike. The WGA may have made their tentative deal, but the members of SAG-AFTRA are still striking today. Without the labor of the actors currently on strike, the movie being reviewed here wouldn't exist. For more information, please visit the Freelance Solidarity Project at freelancesolidarity.org. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I... Can the ugly, untalented gays get to their podcast mics? Ouch. I mean, I'm also here, so I'm also an ugly, untalented gay. I think that you're fag number one. I'm fag number two. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say that that's correct. You run the show, essentially. I'm the one who does all the busy work and goes, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Nice coat. (laughs) Nice coat. (laughs) Just making small talk at a party, right? (laughs) Well, surprise prom party, you've all been asking since it hit theaters, when are you going to do bottoms? When are you going to do bottoms? When are you going to do bottoms? I can't wait to hear you talk about bottoms. And the rule is the same as has always been the same. We will talk about a movie once it is available for mass consumption through video on demand or streaming. Because boy, this movie did not make it into most markets until right about now. Yeah, and y'all are really lucky because they put it on VOD way earlier than I think anyone anticipated. So surprise, now you get bottoms. Yeah, <laughs> it came out on Friday. We're recording this on Saturday, and then it's coming out on Thursday. And we definitely have a way quicker turnaround than most podcasts that do shit in months in advance. <laughs> you know what? We, we we keep it fast and loose here. God, We're flying by the seat of our pants here. Sure. BJ, are you ready to talk about one of your favorite movies of the year? I'm so excited. And I do want to shout out as well to the film cast who had me come on and talk about Bottoms, like a shorter a shorter little capsule version uh, for their show, which I know a lot of you listened to because you thought that was your only way to hear me talk about Bottoms. So thank you for going and listening over to the film cast. And thank you to the film cast listeners who may be coming here to hear a more expanded uh exclusively queer talk about it um we're glad you're here (laughs) yeah i i am very excited i was also thinking about this the other day um and by the other day yesterday because that's when we were like we're gonna do this um emma seligman might be the director that we have talked about two movies back like close on the schedule that are not like that is not like a legacy director not like how we do like a john hughes every couple of months or whatever mm-hmm. but we did shiva baby and now we're doing bottoms and these are both relatively new releases bottoms especially 
I don't think we've done another director that's like new that close together. Probably not a lot of not a lot of people tend to stay cozily within like the teen sector, like mm-hmm. you know the deep end of puberty, mm-hmm. basically. Um, that that's not a thing. People tend to do one and then move on to other things. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's probably true. We're also just doing a lot of newer releases because we're waffling within a 50-year window where it's like, hey, guess what? Do you want something from 1973? Cool. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a few of those and also a few things from this year. <laughs> yeah. This, this part of the schedule just ended up weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie. I think there is so much to talk about, um, both in terms of how this movie came to be, how this movie is presented, and the the, the very insufferable discourse that has already begun about this movie which I called yeah. I don't know what episode where I was like oh I saw bottoms I can't wait to talk about it I do not, I'm not looking forward to the discourse we're here I was right don't mm-hmm. look forward to, I didn't look forward to it I don't like that it's happening what a shame uh, but we will we will be talking about it um, so in case you have not uh, yet seen bottoms which if so I don't know why you're listening to this episode because we're gonna spoil it that's what we do on the show uh, but here's your synopsis Two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the plot. Does that tell you how deranged this movie is? All women no. are hot, except this fight club where it's a bunch of sixes at best. <laughs> God. So before we dive in, I want to make kind of like a blanket, like top of the show announcement. This is a movie that is intentionally working in bad taste it is intentionally raunchy it is attention intentionally boundary pushing and it is intentionally like not politically correct like that's just not what this movie is so this discussion is probably going to be a little bit more raunchy and vulgar than it normally is if that's not something you're comfy with maybe skip this episode i don't know i think i'm pretty vulgar yeah. I, I say fuck when I'm trying to think of a point. That's true. But like, this is also a movie <laughs> a where. a different kind of vulgar. Yeah. Like, to just rip the bandaid off. This is a movie where they go to have like a heart to heart and Rachel Sennott goes, all right, raise your hand. Who's been raped? Like, this is the kind uh, of. God, that, that, that hard 180 of the tone of the movie. I'm just like, God, that's a good scene. It makes me laugh every yeah, single time. Yeah, and like lest we forget, I am a survivor, so I can say that. And you can't yell at me for it. Um, but <laughs> so we're going to be playing in like a very raunchy sandbox. And I know not everybody's comfy with that. And that's cool. Sure. It's just not the episode for you, not the film for you. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're we're not going to stifle our conversation. Great. Uh, because that does an injustice to the movie. Yes. So, BJ, you have now seen this movie three times. I have seen this movie three times. How how are you feeling about it? Because we don't really have context to do for this one. Because right. it's like, hey, it, it just came out. So, yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah, I can definitely bring some context of how this movie came to be. Because I do think it's important. But um, here's here, here's my my story with Bottoms. The first time I saw it, it was through a screener that was sent to me as press uh, before... Uh, like a press day about this movie. And so I watched it at home on my laptop and I really liked it. I was like, this is really funny. This, you know, resonates with me. I am not looking forward to the discourse, but I think this is going to be fun. The second time you and I watched it in the theaters at a 1030 screening on a Sunday, on a Sunday. And it was weird. It was a really weird screening because originally we thought it was just going to be us and then more people came in and we were like, what are like you doing? Four more people came in, but also like we rocked up into the screening and like we're maybe 15 minutes out from when the movie's supposed to be starting 
and there was no music. There was no there was Maria no, Menudos. There was no movie, and we just sat in silence going, like, do they know we're in here right? <laughs> for, like, ten minutes? It was weird. It was really weird, but that screening was admittedly, like, not a great way to watch this movie because the other people who joined us in the theater were really quiet. Yeah. And I felt myself, like, stifling my own enjoyment because I was like, well, I don't want to disrupt them, but, like, I'm laughing really hard. So it was a weird screening. And then we watched it again when it hit VOD at home, and we were kind of, like, I was working for some of it because uh, I work from home. And I enjoyed it so much more watching it at home with you in the living room and kind of being able to fuck off while we watched it. But BJ, people go to AMC for magic or whatever. Yeah, but this is like this movie Sacrilege. Has, has such like sleepover energy of like watching this with your friends and hooting and hollering and having a good time. Like if you're watching this movie in a theater, you need to have a big theater. You need a rowdy theater. Mm hmm. Watching it in the dark in silence with strangers is fucking weird. It was not great. It was not. It was not a good vibe, as they say. Yeah, the vibes were off. I um. <laughs> I'll fully admit, I much preferred watching it at home with you. Mm -hmm. I agree on that. I did not really care that much about it the first time we saw it, mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of coming to this with like a weird perspective because. I, this is one of those things where I'm like, I'm watching a movie and being like, I want to enjoy this. I want to be entertained. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm not loving it as much as everyone else is. I have to talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> and it's not even like a moral issue where I'm like, I disagree with it because of moral reasons. I'm like, it's just the vibes. Are, it's, I'm not in a funny environment and I'm not laughing. <laughs> and now I have to be like, I'm not going to write this like big think piece of being like, oh, here's why I think Bottoms is bad because of the politics and the, the messaging of it. It's like, no, it just didn't make me haha because we were sitting awkwardly in the dark with four other people. <laughs> it was a bad way to watch a movie. Yeah, it was. I'm like, okay, I'm glad that we're talking about this, though, because the environment in which you watch a movie definitely influences how you feel about it. And like this was a really good example of it because I could see you enjoying yourself more watching it at home mm -hmm. and just like cracking jokes with me. Yeah, and like I can fuck off watching it. Yeah, I love a movie where I'm allowed to like enjoy the movie. I felt like I was not allowed to enjoy the movie because I was sitting there with <laughs> awkward people twiddling their thumbs two rows in front of me. Okay, and I'm going to... On a Sunday. I am going to tell a little side of story about that because of... <laughs> So stupid, but I think it's kind of funny. Are you going to write it? Is it that you were fearing for your life? Yes. Okay. Okay. So obviously, um, Harmony and I used to live in a place that was far more oppressive to queer people than we do now. And there is still some unlearning taking place. But I have a hard time uh, undoing the knee-jerk reaction that I have of, like, anytime I do anything that is, like, publicly queer, having to worry of whether or not, like, a Proud Boy is going to show up and just, like, blow us all away. Um, because that's just how my brain works. So we are in the theater. And, again, like, the vibes are already off because, like, they weren't playing any, like, pre-show anything. So it was quiet and it was dark and it was weird. And then two guys come in and they're both wearing like the same jacket and the same hat and the same glasses and their hats are down a little low. And I was like, are they trying to hide their identities? What's going on? And they sit in a in a way where like they could make a break for it really quickly. It was like the, the row that ends at the front before it like is like the flat where you get into like the C3, you have to like crank your neck up really high. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh. 
they could absolutely be holding a gun in their jackets and hiding their uh, appearance and their matching. So that way, you know, it's hard to tell which one is which if they if they do do a gay bashing shooting in this 1030 <laughs> Sunday screening. So I'm like on high alert, like analyzing these people. And Harmony's like, what are you doing? And I type it in my notes app so they can't hear me. And I was like, yes, I know this is an insane thought, but I'm just making sure that these two guys are not like going to kill us. <laughs> And she's like, you're being crazy. Please sit down. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay. And I sit there. And then one of them gets up to leave for a Slurpee. And he comes back. And he has his hat off. And I was like, oh, no. It's just gay men who dress exactly the same and look exactly the same because they're boyfriends who have been together for too long and look just like each other at this point. There you go. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, I love the world that we live in where that's a, a, a thought that I have in a movie theater. I don't know, man. Really cool. There's some America's days, awesome. You wake up some mornings and you're like, a oh, bad dream. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I had a dream where you got gunned down at work. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. <laughs> this is a very common occurrence. So I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> well, we're awake now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want breakfast? And the answer is always yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, that was our experience with this movie. And now here we are. Now here we are indeed. The groundwork has been laid. Let's talk a little bit about some of the context. So as we mentioned, this is written and directed by Emma Seligman, who did Shiva Baby. We've done an episode on that. Highly recommend you listen to that. But this is a movie that... Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennott have been trying to get made since they were students at NYU. They've been working on this for a very, very long time. There is a giant whiteboard that the two of them like wrote all of their ideas on, which I love. Um, but of course, like the stock of everybody involved in this has really gone up in the last couple of years. Shiva Baby was a huge success. Rachel Sennott also then did The Idol and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies after Shiva Baby. The best part of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Oh, God. She's untouchably the best part of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, and then Rachel Sennott and Io Debris have been friends for a while. They used to have a show uh, on Comedy Central. They... It was like very, very short lived, like like micro shorts, I should say. But Io has done tons of voiceover work on Big Mouth and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, she's obviously on The Bear. She has a like small role reoccurring on Abbott Elementary. She's kind of exploded. So the three of them working together is kind of like the culmination of a project that's been stewing since college. But now they have the adult success to allow them to actually make it, which is really cool. And then there's also like a side tangent where they're also like affiliated with Molly Gordon, who Molly Gordon is in Shiva Baby and then directed Theater Camp, which came out this year that I also recommend. And Io's in that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like all these like people that have known each other for a very long time coming together to make the movie that they wish they would have had as you know young people mm -hmm. and also paying homage to a lot of the movies that they loved growing up and i think that that's really really cool because that doesn't happen a lot anymore no not a lot of people get to make movies with their friends 
Yeah, they. I'm, <laughs> as I'm wearing my Rustic Films Make Movies with Friends shirt yes. as we record this. Yes. Um, but no, you're totally right. Like that just doesn't happen very often. And um, there's a couple interviews that I'm going to refer to throughout the, the episode. This one's from the Los Angeles Times where Emma Seligman says, looking back, I would have loved to have seen more que- queer female characters, but I also would have loved to have seen girls beating each other up and fighting to save the day. And I love movies like Scott Pilgrim and Kick-Ass and Attack the Block, movies where a bunch of boys get to be together and be rambunctious and fight and do stuff. And so this is a culmination of a lot of different kinds of movies with young teens female characters that I wish I could have seen. And so ultimately, like this movie is not just, hey, this is a fun time with my friends and, you know, with comedy actors that I think are really talented, but also this is the movie that I wish I would have had growing up. Like this is a wish fulfillment movie, Mm -hmm. which all teen films are wish fulfillment fantasies. But to know that this is like a literal wish fulfilled just brings me a level of joy that I can't fully put into words. Yeah, the way I've heard multiple people kind of describe this movie is it's a bunch of movies you've already seen, but it stars queer girls. Yeah, absolutely. And Emma Seligman also says, like, you know, people ask, you know, what's what's next? What's next? And she goes, the fact that I'm making this movie with my best friend that we started writing when we were 21 makes me so excited for the amount of filmmakers of my identity and other identities who I know are coming up right after me and coming up right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that everybody involved in this just has such a positive feeling about making this and also knowing that this could open doors and more possibilities for other people to tell stories that they also wish that they could see, but didn't get to see growing up. Sure. And it just gives me warm fuzzies. And the fact that it's a movie where they stab a football player with a sword makes it all the better. Yeah. And before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hello, prom party. Yes, it is BJ. I am back to do the morning announcements for this month. The first one is the usual. If you would like to support This Ends at Prom, you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. We have tiers that start as low as $1 and ones that go all the way up to $10. If you want to give us more, that's cool too. And this month on the Patreon, we've got some really cool stuff for you. As part of our musical milestones, We're talking about Taylor Swift's movie. There's just too much to say, and people have been underestimating teen girl audiences for too long, so we're going to talk about it. You don't have to be a Swifty to enjoy it, because it's going to be a very fun discussion, talking about the tech side of things, as well as how Taylor Swift screwed over the Hollywood system, which, given the circumstances of the strikes right now, we are a huge fan of anybody willing to screw over the studio systems. And as far as our Sadie Hawkins episodes are concerned, it's September. We're going back to school. So we're going to talk about two college boy classics, Van Wilder and Animal House. Ugh, let's see how that goes. In addition to that, we are still on our trek through TV Homecoming, going through the first and only season of My So-Called Life. And as always, there is the monthly playlist from Harmony. It's always good stuff. We love how excited you all have been in sharing with us the bands that you like that you've heard because of the show. If you are unable to support the show financially at this time, we totally understand it. We are in a recession right now. The only thing that we ask is that you give us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to the show and maybe share us with a friend. 
And this month, we also want to shout out a brand new book we think some of you out there might really like just in time for spooky season. The Scary Movie Writer's Guide from Seth Sherwood, he's our guest on Hellfest, is a 100-plus page step-by-step workbook that guides you to plan, plot, and write your own horror screenplay. It takes you through the entire process, starting with generating ideas, forming work habits, all the way through the process of making a detailed outline. Cook up plots, find themes, play with subgenres, decide on point of view and style, cook up characters and monsters. I mean, it's a workbook for a reason. But if you are interested in checking out this book, you can get it at www.scarywriter.com. Again, that is www.scarywriter.com. Dot com. Thank you so much for listening, and back to the movie. Alrighty, so we have two protagonists in this. We have... Fag 1 and Fag 2. Fag 1 and Fag 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have PJ, played by Rachel Senat, and Josie, played by Iowa Debris. And let's talk about them individually because I think they're different enough that like it's not like a Romeo and Michelle situation where we have to talk about them together because I do think they have enough going on so let's start with PJ how do you feel about PJ no like I don't think they're a Romeo and Michelle I think they're a super bad yes oh yeah this is the Jonah Hill character who just really obsessed with getting laid and is an asshole Mm -hmm. like that's who PJ is yes and I mean, down to the having the big speech on the football field that might as well be like the we could be that mistake. Yep. But it's, you know, we're going to we're going to te- make them feel special and then we're going to cuddle with them and then they're going to be kissing us on their mouth. Like yep. it's that same energy, which like what's well, very funny to me. And we talked about this a little bit on our Patreon episode for Animal House about joke theft, which is that. Boy movies will reference movies like Animal House and Porky's and um, even at this point, American Pie all the time. And it's like, (laughs) what a funny homage they're making. But I've seen people complain about Bottoms because Rachel Senat's doing the speech and they're like, that's actually just a speech from Superbad and uh, Superbad did it better. And it's like, why is it? Why are you looking at this as joke theft when Rachel Senat does this speech? But it's homage if someone else does it. Smells like sexism to me. Yes. Like, I, when we talked about it, I was like, at what point is something going, I recognize that. The movie movies, you know, uh-huh. from the 2000s or the scary movies where it's like, look, it's a reference to this thing. Or I inadvertently ended up falling into a Family Guy reference where it's like, look, it's a thing. I recognize that. <laughs> right. You know, with a bad Peter Griffin impersonation because everyone has one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a Peter, but I do have a Lois. Hey, Lois. <laughs> Peter. You know, that's actually very good, though. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but no, like, it's it, it absolutely is just sexism. And also, people want to hate this movie. People want to hate this movie and, so bad. Like, say what you will about, like, sexism in terms of how this is processed. This is now, like, the second or third big example of something like this that has happened this year alone. But it's not purely just dudes going, like, oh, I hate this. Or, like, oh, gay women. Or, oh, women. Or, oh. It's... Also, women with internalized misogyny being mean to shit like this or Barbie, where it's like, you know, you can say you just like it. Mm -hmm. You can say you just don't like it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get into this big moral thing about being like, well, actually, I think it's bad because of this reason and this reason and this reason. Yeah. Okay. So let's have this conversation because I don't think we've had this conversation on the main show. But there is this very weird trend. I think it's twofold. Is that one, 
people have like stan culture has become so pervasive that now people attach their identity to the things that they like so if a person doesn't like something that you like people then internalize that as oh so you don't like me somebody says like oh this movie is bad but you really like it and you internalize that as oh this person's saying that i'm bad mm -hmm. so now people get really defensive about the things they like i'm screaming and crying and throwing up because i love this so much right, right. and then at the same time we know that like bullying is bad. Being mean is bad. Let people enjoy things. Like we know that that mindset exists. So now what's happening is that people have forgotten that like you can just be a hater. If you watch something and you're like, this isn't for me, you can be like, yeah, this movie wasn't for me. I didn't like this movie. Mm. You don't have to be like, mm, actually, I think that this movie is like extremely harmful and really problematic. And if you like this movie, you're perpetuating. You don't need to pontificate about why you think a movie is good because of the messaging it's sending. Just, just because it didn't make you laugh. Yeah, just you didn't like it. And like, it's totally cool to not like something. We did an episode close to around this time last year. It was last Christmas season where we did Anna and the Apocalypse. And I'm really glad Matt Donato was there for that because I did not bring the correct energy because I'm just like, I'm so incredibly neutral in this movie and I wish I liked it more, but I don't. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite to that level with this movie, but like there's a lot of parts that aren't that I didn't laugh at where I'm like, no, I get what we're doing here with, with Bottoms. I get mm -hmm. the joke here. I get what we're referencing. I think the delivery is really good. I think the performance is really good. But I'm just not laughing at like this particular long monologue in a movie that's full of a lot of long-winded, kind of really embarrassing monologues. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. I just go, I didn't like that part. Yeah. But I like this part. Yeah. I like, I like you know, if you want to go ahead and talk about our characters, because like we talked about PJ and then kind of went on a bit of a tangent. But if you want to bring it back around to Josie, um, one of my favorite long-winded monologues is there at the very start of the movie where she's like, I'm going to end up with, you know, the other gay guy in school and I'm going to be a pastor's wife and we're going to have a child. But they know that we're out. Da -da 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 -da. Will you visit us on Sundays? Uh -huh. I love that long monologue. That monologue is great. That one is <laughs> so good. And it sets so much about how we establish these characters and how they relate to each other and where they sit in their school system and like the tone of the movie all of that makes sense but also it just makes me laugh because mm -hmm. it's like, funny it's a comedy ultimately i want to laugh mm -hmm. and that works for me good good i'm glad and like and here's the thing you're finding the things that work for you even though like there are things that don't work for you oh it was really difficult that first time we watched it yeah bj was... was really upset because we left it there and she's like did you love it i'm like oh that's fine and you're like, I feel bad because you worked today and then I dragged you out to watch a movie really late. And when you're tired and I feel like a bad wife. Yeah, I'm really emotional about movies, guys. <laughs> I know you are. But it was like, no, it's just it was, it was fine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So going back to PJ, because you're right, we did go off on a tangent. I've There's been so many thoughts stewing in my brain. This is going to be like an incredibly like manic energy uh, episode, especially from me. I might be in a manic episode right now. We don't know. I don't know, because that's how bipolar works. Um, but let's talk about PJ a little bit more. So this is one of my favorite Rachel Senat performances. Granted, all of them are my favorite Rachel Senat performances, but I love that she gets to be an asshole. Oh, this is the most detestable I've seen her thus uh, far. And, and it's so juicy how much of a piece of shit she is. Mm -hmm. um, and if you listen to me on the film cast and you heard me say like PJ's an asshole, she's not a bitch. Which is a distinction we cherish in this household. Yes, because both it of is us different. Don't we don't like bitches? 
we like assholes. Yes. That's who we like. Like, we love a mean girl. I'm like, I don't like a mean girl. I like a mean woman. I like an asshole. I'm not here for bitchy behavior. Yeah. And PJ is an asshole. And I love the different ways that we see her be an asshole, whether it's like her doing kind of like the fuck boy thing where it's like, you know, I think... I think you're really skinny and like you could you could eat food. You could shit if you wanted. You could shit if you wanted. Like just total fuckboy behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also like when she is with Brittany towards the end and she's like Brittany. Brittany. And like laying it on thick a little bit, it's like, oh, you are absolutely like every boy who's like, This is my move, this is my move. Just gotta take it. Just gonna gotta take gently it. neg this woman being like, oh, you got awfully skinny wrists. I don't know if you can lift that pencil. Right. Just like a little bit of negging. And again, also Another generalized statement. I'm not comparing the lesbians to men because I think lesbians are masculine. I'm a fucking lesbian. We're talking about archetypal tropes in a teen movie. Okay. I'm saying that for my own sanity. Um, back to PJ. Sure. But yeah, she's an asshole. And like the things that she does when she's being mean, it's like very abrasive. It's very up in up front in your face. It's not nearly as manipulative. Like it's not as manipulative as she thinks she's being. Because once it crosses that threshold into like very manipulative Regina George territory, it does become bitchiness. She never crosses that line. She's constantly just being an asshole. She's being mm-hmm. a dick. And I like that a lot because characters like this don't ever get to be assholes. We're supposed to pity them. We're supposed to feel bad about them. We're supposed to treat them as these lovable losers. We're supposed to villainize them. Or we're supposed to villainize them. Like, and the movie never does that. Yeah. Um, speaking of like that kind of opening scene where it's like, you look like a little Dutch boy. Mm-hmm. Which like that outfit is such a trendy outfit right now. Like skirt with suspenders, <laughs> all thing like that. I was like, do you look a little bit like a little Dutch boy? Yes, but that is also an extremely common outfit that I see all the time when I'm just out at like work or going to like a CVS or a Sprouts. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene is so long mm-hmm. and embarrassing and it kind of like really exposes kind of what negging is as like a flirting technique mm-hmm. where everything goes on for so long. It feels kind of like really, really failed bullying. Yeah. Where it's not like, oh, hey, um, you know, I'm going to gently poke at this one thing as a means of just being like, hey, I like you. You know, hey, I like you. Mm-hmm. It eventually is just like, I mean, yeah, I guess you're kind of skinny and you could poop. And like you could do whatever, and it just keeps going and going and going. And it just is like, it's like the welcome to the dollhouse thing where it's like, I want to see you shit. It just goes <laughs> right. on forever. And it just feels more like you're trying to like make fun of someone than flirt with them because they're so bad at it. And it exposes what fucking negging is. Mm-hmm. And what's also funny about that scene too is like we're watching somebody dig themselves into a hole and try to dig themselves out of it, but then continue to dig deeper and oh, deeper. Yeah. And it just gets Sooner worse. Sooner or later, you just need to cut your losses and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like to me it feels like when you go to an improv show and like a bit has ended like this this is dead just kill it like move on and they're like no I can save it mm-hmm. I swear to god I can make this funny again and you're yep. like no you oh my god please stop please or, or, or somebody agonizing. who like gets a reaction once and then they just say the same thing two or three more times <laughs> yes. just to try to be like ha yeah so I was saying this and, 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 right and so I was saying this and it's you're just repeating the line because you're like I, I don't think it hit well <laughs> enough the first time let's try again <laughs> yeah it's pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, that is very real. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I talk about how when uh, the Harmony used to work at the bar back in Cleveland, and I would like just kind of sit and watch people shoot their shot and miss with her all night. Mm-hmm. That was a thing where I would like watch people kind of like 
practice the line they were going to give her and repeat it multiple times and trying to get drinks to the point where I'm sure you didn't even recognize that's what they were doing because you're not processing this. I'm but working. I, I'm busy. Yeah, you're working. You're busy. You're not paying attention to this. Whereas like I'm just sitting there drinking so I can pay attention to this and I'm watching people do what PJ's doing in this scene and I'm like, oh, honey. It's hard for girls to talk to girls. It's really not. Like, okay, but like- Skill I, issue. I still, yes. I st- <laughs> I want to keep talking about this one scene because do I think this scene is, I think this scene is is, is fun to watch, but I don't think it's funny because mm-hmm. um, it's just too embarrassing for me. Mm-hmm. But You get that secondhand cringe a little too hard and it's uh, like, oh, my skin's falling off. Yeah, I'm like, I've never been this bad. And like, this is so much worse than I think I've ever seen anybody in real life just bomb. Mm-hmm. Um but what I really like about that specific scene is like I've seen a lot of people online just be like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. Like, I I hate this scene. It's like so uncomfortable. and It's so long. And I'm like, yeah, but do you not see all of the people on like the Internet who are just like talking to girls is scary. So that's why I date men, because they'll just accept whatever I throw at them. Right. <laughs> So it's like, it is a skill issue. It's just a matter of like, yeah, you don't have to rehearse to talk to guys. You can just you know end up in a loveless marriage with like a pastor or whatever. And like you settle for that. If, the, if, if you don't work up the carriage, then you're just going to have a really sad life. Sooner or later, you have to practice talking to girls. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany, are you thinking of running a Ferris wheel at all tonight? I wasn't. I'm going on the Puke and Duke. I need a pull trick. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I'm going to say something crazy. I think you can eat food, digest it, let it marinate, poop it out. Mm, gross. Maybe this? You want a bite of this? Oh, no. Yeah, this is fucking disgusting. Oh, you want a hot dog? We could go get hot dogs. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, we could get the bun. No ketchup. Bun. You gotta get the bun. No. Yes, you could. No. No bun. <clears throat> okay, um, Isabel. Josie was just saying something similar to me. I don't think so. I think so. It was really good. It was super funny. <clears throat> you're just so, you're skinny too as well. I'm Josie, by the way. Good evening. Yeah, you're skinny. You're a real skinny mini, aren't you? You probably should eat. I'm gonna send you to the hospital how skinny you are. Uh-oh, call the doctor. Skinny girl, I see. Okay. Do you guys want any yeah. more tickets? Yeah, thank you. So PJ is obviously the more aggressive of this combination. Um, And then we also have Josie, who is kind of our Michael Sarah type in this, where just as funny, has just as much going on, but is nowhere near as in your face about shit. How do you feel about Josie? She's the nice one. She is not an asshole. Mm -hmm. She's just caught up in her asshole friend's bullshit. (laughs) And that's an unfortunate thing. But like, you can also see that these two are just like, you know, birds of a feather, like mm-hmm. two, two fingers like twisted together, just being like they're this close. Yeah. Um, and you can see that very early on when they're talking about Fight Club and they just like repeat like the one girl who works at like the car shows or whatever, like perfectly in sync and mm-hmm. in pitch together. Um, like they've known each other forever. They are besties. And I think that like that this, this is a fascinating to think about is like someone that you're friends with through most of school, which is, you know, sooner or later. PJ became an asshole. Like mm-hmm. she wasn't always an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you start to like go down different roads mm-hmm. as like a person where it's like maybe you're a little more passive. Maybe you're just you know you want to just say sweet nothings to a girl, but you suck at it. And then you're your friends who are just like wants to be like and just throw themselves at girls and just see what fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you you were at one point much more similar than you were dissimilar because I think like, oh my God, we both like graham crackers and we live relatively close to each other. We're best friends. They have the same babysitter. Exactly. Yeah. It's really easy to become friends with each other and then you develop into your own specific personalities over time. Mm-hmm. Josie has fell into a place where it's like, you would not make friends with somebody like this now. Right. But you've been friends with somebody like this forever. Yes. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. I love Josie, too, because you're totally right. Like, she very much is somebody who is, like, caught up in the bullshit. But at the same time, she doesn't know how to, like, put an end to something to be like, this is a problem. Like, we mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing this. Because she she doubles fucking down with another monologue where, you know, they've got their whole lie going on where everybody About thinks. Juvie. Everyone thinks that they went to juvie and, like. People were betting on them to fight to the death, which is not what happens in Juvie. Um, And she gives this like very impassioned monologue that is so like lifetime after school special in how like, yeah, they gave us shivs and broken pieces of wood. And it's just so funny. I killed someone, but they brought them back. It's okay. It's like you killed someone. Oh, no, no. They brought them back. And then we had a really productive conversation, like just such like a backtrack it's so funny when you're really bad at like i don't know like did you ever have this when you were a kid where you're really bad at lying and you said something and you were like um i don't know if i can dig my way out of this one and i was not thinking on my feet and that just kind of came out and now here we are um yeah no there's absolutely a version of the parent trap where they kill the parents This was me as like a 10 year old saying I liked the movie Meet the Parents, but I said The Parent Trap. And then everyone's like, that movie's for babies. And then I went, uh, I can't just admit that I meant the wrong movie. Um, Anyway, no, there's a version you haven't seen of it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the answer is yes and no. Yes, I have made fuck ups like that. But no, I've always been able to talk myself out of it because you were in like speech team or whatever. uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm real good at words sometimes. Uh, and now I have brain damage, so I'm less good at words, which is what a shame. You all don't know about that because it gets cut out. <laughs> yeah, Harmony cuts all that out, which is super nice and a really good thing that she does for me as a wife and an editor. Uh, but yeah, so Josie, you know, she she gets herself caught up in situations and then doesn't know how to get out of it. Um, that's a lie. She does know how to get herself out of it because she convincingly does get herself out of it, but it just makes things worse mm-hmm. because of how good she is at it. Sure. <laughs> um, But Josie and PJ both have crushes, and I think who they have a crush on also speaks to who they are as people. Mm -hmm. So Josie has a crush on Isabel, and Isabel is a possibly, like, queer, bi-pan cheerleader. Uh, She has Mm -hmm. a boyfriend. She's dating Jeff, who we will definitely talk about. Um, Meanwhile, PJ has a crush on Isabel's best friend, Brittany, who is Kaya Gerber, a.k.a. Cindy Crawford's daughter. Oh, yeah. I did not realize that until you were like, do you know who her mom is? Look at her face. I'm like, mm. And then it was like, Cindy Crawford. I'm like, oh. That, <laughs> that tracks so much for what she looks like and how she's presented. Yeah. And it very much is, <laughs> and it very much sets up, you know, the, the PJ is into the very clearly straight girl because she happens to be the most beautiful girl in school. So of course she has a crush on her Mm -hmm. versus Josie who really likes Isabel because yes, she's beautiful, but she also thinks she's very nice. And again, I think that says something about who they are because assholes go after girls for very like surface level reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's who PJ is. She's like, she doesn't, 
know all that much about Britney. She doesn't honestly kind of care. She feigns like she cares. Yeah. She likes to be like, oh, let's let's pivot it back to Britney. Talk about your jewelry company a little bit more. Yeah. But really, she wants to have sex with her because she thinks she's mind-blowingly hot. And like, she's Cindy Crawford's daughter. I mean, she is. She's so beautiful. The, the way that this movie... <laughs> Like the way that this movie films her, every single shot of her is like very statuesque. Mm -hmm. It's very um, posed. It's mm -hmm. very glamorous. Every single instance of her is you're supposed to go, yep, that's the prettiest girl in school. Yeah. Oh my God. Like even when they're doing like their their little prank they're on doing Jeff. cool crimes. Yeah, where they're doing cool crimes. Where she's like out the window. It like looks it's like spring a breakers. music video. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, And again, like that is going to go into a subversion. We're going to talk about subversions and tropes as like its own thing. So like put a pin in that. We're coming back to that. Um, Yeah, it also says so much about who they are as characters, but it also says so much about like the teen archetype because we even have Britney admit at one point like, I just follow and do whatever Isabel wants and says because I don't have a personality. Like, whatever that exact quote is. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious No one me. processes me other than being hot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the subversion. So yeah. there's two. there are two other characters that I really want to talk about. The next one is Jeff. Jeff, Jeff I... I love Jeff. I in, hate Jeff. In a different universe, Jeff is played by James Marsden. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know, like, every single movie that is, you know, referenced or, you know, inspired this. But I would bet money, all of my student loan debt that I refuse to pay off on the table, Jeff absolutely has the DNA of James Marsden and Sugar and Spice. Yeah. The fact that also the back of his jersey says Jeff and, like, not his last name. It just says Jeff. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. No, I do love that. Um, Jeff is also interesting because he is just a giant man baby. And I think that that works with him needing to be with older women to, who will mommy him and get him snacks. Mm -hmm. So he's just a, like a big, unmature guy because he's he's just being coddled as like the star athlete. And it's the, you know, the, the, the excessiveness about how you can have like, I mean, we're walking our way through um, my so-called life over on the Patreon and it's we just did the episode where it's like Jared Leto can't read. Right. <laughs> we're just like I don't know. Sometimes why you just, Jordan can't read? Yeah, you just push characters through to the next grade because it's like I don't know. They're popular. They play a sport. Fucking whatever. No child left behind. Every child's Thanks, getting left George behind. Bush. Every child will be left behind. <laughs> Uh, to me, Jeff is if you take that vine where it's like I'm taught to play varsity football. Varsity football. Yeah, he's that as a person. No, but Jeff's way better than varsity. You are correct. Jeff is better than varsity. He's the best player. Get horny for how good Jeff is. <laughs> God, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. And speaking of someone who's actually a football player or used to be, Marshawn motherfucking Lynch in oh, this movie. My God, this man doesn't matter. We we. In the worst conditions of watching this movie, in that awkward theater where everyone was like, it was like a funeral home. <laughs> he was still the funniest part of the movie. Second time around, still the funniest part of this movie. He's I love this so man. He's so funny. He's so funny. And I, I learned reading some interviews that a majority of his lines are improvised, which is why when they do the credits and there's like all those different takes of him saying things, mm -hmm. he's just making shit up. Yeah. And he's so funny and charismatic and wonderful and uh, something that I had said in the film cast that I'll repeat here. I hope that he becomes like the next Dave Batista in terms of like athlete turned actor. Like I want someone to be like, I want Marshawn Lynch to play deadly serious. Yeah. Like I want that so bad. Cause I think he could pull it off. He's incredible. Or at the very least I'll settle for him doing a uh, goofy John Cena roles. Oh, totally. 
Totally, totally. Give him his own version of Vacation Friends. Oh. Yeah, he'd be so funny. Give me that. I want that. <laughs> so, like, no, he's great. Um, I also just think that, like, based on the bloopers of this whole movie, I think a lot of the stuff is just everyone screwing around mm-hmm. and now using a lot of improv lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helps just the whole energy of the movie where it's just people hanging out. Yeah. Because, like, that's one of the things I like the best about it. Yeah, I think that that's really good. And uh, his casting, as well as, like, Kaya Gerber's casting, were very intentional. Uh, Emma Seligman did an interview with Esquire where she was talking about the cast, and she goes, it's such a weird world of characters, and we couldn't have anyone just doing the role and being a really good actor. We also needed someone to bring their own vibe to it. We looked towards camp casting and, like, John Waters casting. We thought about Crybaby and having, like, an adult film star with a teen heartthrob, a musician. We wanted to question Mark casting. We also just wanted the best people for the roles, and that's what happened. We couldn't have cast people who didn't do the best audition tapes and prove that they were the right person. So I really like that. I like that it was kind of from the beginning. Wouldn't it be cool if we had kind of these weirdos in here and that that like don't seem to make sense together. But once they're all together on screen, this is exactly who needs to be together. I mean, the movie's a little bit of chaos. So like in terms of making sense with things, I think you can get away with it for the specific tone of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Like at one point, like you you don't realize this initially, but like they're like, why is there a man in a cage in the background? (laughs) And it's like, oh, he pops up later in the pepper alley. So it's like foreshadowing. But it's like, why is there a man in a cage in the background in the middle of class? <laughs> I saw somebody complaining online where they were like, you know, a principal would never actually call them ugly and talented gays over the intercom. And it's like, yeah, yeah. no shit, well, honey. Like- <laughs> they literally get to class in that scene and then they sit down and then there's an announcement where a girl's like, I was assaulted. It was like, that would never be a thing. You would just have to make the girl project like over the loudspeaker for the whole school. And then boom, class ends. It's like, wait, that was it. Yeah. Like where it's like, it's like movies where it's like, Oh, the bell signifies the end of a scene in a teen movie. Exactly. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on like that. Um, there is another character I do want to talk about that we didn't really talk about. Uh, but we didn't talk about Ruby Cruz's Hazel. Yeah. I love Hazel. I think that she is, you know, she's, she's, if this movie has a straight man, it's probably Hazel. And she's even a terrorist. And even then, she's not because she's like super into bombs right now. <laughs> um, but as far as like emotional like realism, she's the most grounded in reality compared to the like, rest of them. She would be the main character, bombs aside, of you know, a different movie. Totally. Because she would be like the inspiring one who starts this club and just is like, it's all mm-hmm. about girlhood and sisterhood and female solidarity, and we're all gonna be in this together, everyone. Thumbs up. Yes. I love her, Hazel. I think that she's a great character. She might be my like my favorite character outside of like our main two because I feel like that like they're in their own category. Dude, but mine's Mr. G. I love that man. He is great. I I I want more of just I want more outtakes of him just saying crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. Millie Earhart, not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, Hazel gets to do a lot of my favorite like teen tropey things. Like I like that there's the running gag of her like coming home from the group like feeling better about herself every day mm-hmm. and like her mom wearing those amazing robes like every day is just like getting up from her extremely rich I got divorced this is my settlement house uh and like watching her and being like what's going on with that girl? Like that's the internal monologue. Mm-hmm. I love that Hazel's the one who gets to do that. I love that Hazel's the one who has to like keep things like grounded um but then at the same time you know she's blowing shit up because her parents are going through a divorce she doesn't know how to cope so she's into terrorism now yeah big fan that's Why a hilarious not? plot thing for her it's not a phase mom <laughs> it's not a 
face. Oh my God. So funny. Um, so the characters of this movie are obviously their own thing. Mm-hmm. The real like shine of this movie for me is the way that it subverts and honors tropes of teen movies and this absolute batshit tone. I don't, I don't even know how to begin to dissect this. Mm-hmm. Um, how I tried to do it probably poorly on the film cast. As I said, there's like three layers of teen dumb going on in this movie. So the first layer is that like, it is a fantasy film because all teen movies are fantasy films to some extent. So everything is kind of playing in a world that doesn't exist in our reality. That's why everything is really heightened. Um, Like if you look at any of the posters on the walls that like people don't acknowledge, it's like, you should smile more (laughs) like Mm -hmm. shit that it should not be there. But you know, so it's, it's not real Um, Two, all of the subtext of teen movies has now been made textual. So rather than just having the energy of like, this school would do anything to protect the football team, they literally say it to your face. Like, Jeff is the most important person in the school. Fuck you. I don't give a shit about any of you if you're not Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love that it takes that and is just like, nope, we're calling it what it is. Like, this is how all of these schools actually operate. They just don't say it out loud because they know that they're not supposed to say it out loud. I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill lately. Where does this take place? Texas? Uh, this They <laughs> shot this in New Orleans. I'm like, I'm sure it's not Texas, but nobody cares as much about high school football as Texans. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> shot in New Orleans. I'm not sure where it's supposed to be set. But Anywhere. I know that much. Anywhere, so that means it's probably Ohio or Illinois or and spe- something. And sp- okay, and speaking of that, I learned this through an interview and I wrote about it, but they struggled to find locations for this movie because the diocese in New Orleans found out what this movie was about and the diocese has like a lot of power and influence over the city. Mm-hmm. So a lot of places didn't want to let them shoot like this gay movie there because like, oh no, we're going to make the church mad so we can't do it. You want to know who did? Uh, a school that was closed... And a historically black college. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. That's who was willing to let them shoot their scenes here. And that makes me very happy. But yeah, so they're taking the the subtextual, making it textual. And I think that may, that's part of why people are so uncomfortable with this movie. Because this doesn't let you have kind of the like willful ignorance of it. Like you can't feign ignorance with this movie because they say it out loud. Well, Honestly, like, yes, I think that's that's correct. But here's here's one of the things that I think is a little baffling about this movie. Um, so we, we have a poster on our, our wall. It's for the first nudie musical. Mm-hmm. It, it's great. It's a, it's a deep cut that no one's ever heard of, but it's really fun and charming. And there's a tagline on that says if it is to sex movies, what airplane was to disaster movies. Mm-hmm. This movie's kind of like, what if we made airplane, but like. 15 years after we stopped making disaster movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what's going on here because all of these specific high school and teen movie tropes that you're seeing here haven't really existed in mainstream movies for a while. Yeah, no, you're, which is, you're definitely right. You're, that means you're not conditioned for them. So on that note, the third layer to what's going on with the teendom in this movie is that it's also subverting the 
roles of characters in teen movies. So instead of having the cheerleaders wearing their outfits all day, the football players are doing it. Mm -hmm. Instead of having the characters that would be a Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, they're being played by women. Like they it's, are it's a little queer, if you were. Yeah, they're they're subverting all of these traditional tropes. So people, it like scrambles their brain a little bit because you go into it and you assume, oh, I know what the role is of the football player in this movie. I know what the role is of you know even these lovable losers. I know how they're supposed to behave, mm -hmm. and none of them behave the way you think they're going to. So it like. It just feels like madness. Yeah, it feels like madness. It completely throws you off your rhythm. And I think that's why people get so disjointed with this movie because it does not follow any of the quote unquote rules that have been established. It knows what they are. It waves them in your face and then it rips it to shreds. Yeah. So like I appreciate the really, really big swings. Like it's very bold and I like that. But again, I think that that's like it's it's not the movie's fault to make sure people can process it. No. At all. It just makes it um, a little stranger for like literal teens to come in and go, okay, I understand some of these tropes because like even as a teen who, you know, in, in today's modern age, they've surely seen some classics. Mm -hmm. Like that's whatever a classic for them is Jennifer's body, I guess, mm -hmm. probably is a classic to them. Oh, they interviewed a bunch of the, like Letterboxd, interviewed a bunch of the cast and said like, what are your Letterboxd for? And two of them had Jennifer's body as their number one. And one of them had Debs and that Debs has some vibes of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's since they might not have a specific reference for what we are, you know, inverting, mm -hmm. entirely inverting, mm -hmm. it just makes everything look absolutely bonkers. And it's hard to get a handle on what the tone of this movie is. Yeah. Because they haven't been properly trained or don't know the specifics of like the trope that we're referencing here. Like, that has been established for decades. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one reason why younger people are like, what the fuck is happening? Which is especially <laughs> funny because, like, they're obsessed with, like, the 2000s right now. And this is exactly how mean people were in the 2000s. Right. This, this is the ugly side of the 2000s that they don't know shit about. Yes. <laughs> Um, so the one that quoted Debs, by the way, is Summer Joy Campbell, who plays Sylvie. Uh, Y'all will know her as the one who screams Yas Queen really loud. Oh, my God. That shit I love because that's that's what it feels like. We're, oh, yes. I'm, I'm going about my day and someone will just like really lay it on thick and be like, oh, my God, girlfriend, you're really slaying today. I love that top. And I'm like. You, I, there's no way you talk to everybody like that. You're putting that on for me. And it's the equivalent of someone screaming, Yas, Slay Queen, very loudly in my face. Yes. Like, oh, I love it. Because I also, again, I saw somebody that was like, I don't understand why she's being so like, that's too much. And it's like, no, that is how what it feels like when you weirdos do that. Like, there's that video that You're shows so up. You're so brave. There's that, ah. that video that shows up every year around Pride of, like, two black drag queens just existing. And these, like, very young, like, white queers, like, run across a parade route to be like, oh, my God, and, like, fawn all over them. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, leave this person Dude, alone. I remember being young. I remember being a young gay. I certainly never did that. Yeah. Thinking, I was like, like where's this going? Because I, I also was young gay and I, I maybe, also did not do that shit. I maybe observed. Well, I don't know. It's just you being out in the wild. Like, yeah. I remember being at Pride Parades and I remember just like maybe staring at people for a little too long because I'm like, wow. But like, I didn't go over and be weird about it. I was weird from a distance. We have lost the recipe 
of the knowing head nod where you see another person and you kind of just give a head nod, a little bit of a wink, a smile that goes at the side of your face a little bit. And it's like, honey, that's just because we're from the Midwest. That's a great point. That Midwest not smile (laughs) smile. Like that is a that is solely a thing where we're from. The people make fun of that shit in the way they go. Oop. Oop. Like oh, I'm that, gonna, that I'm is gonna squeeze right past that is you. that white people like mm, I'm acknowledging you, but I'm not happy or upset to see you. Mm, face. No, not that one. That's that's a totally different face. That's, I don't know. That's the one where your lips go away. I'm talking about one where your face goes to the side and you kind of give like a, I see you. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I still feel like that's really Midwest. Uh, probably. I think that you and I are just like, yeah, that's a thing we used to do just because that's where we're from. You know what? That's a great point because I also thought like you probably couldn't run across the street screaming at somebody because you know, we live in a place where people would uh, hate crime you for that shit. Um, so, OK, that's a good point. You had to be a little bit more subtle about it. Yeah. So like it's it's a different there's many layers to what this is doing, but there's also many layers to it being processed and why it's being processed the way I mm-hmm. think it is. One of my favorite, like, we're just calling it what it is moments is when they host the fundraiser that isn't a car wash. It's people buying their panties. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and it's an- in like an abandoned parking lot. Yeah. That's another one where a lot of people are like, I don't understand this. And it's like, no, they're just saying like when you are going to like a high school car wash the fundraiser. The cheerleaders are fundraising to get new uniforms. Yeah, the people who are going to that nine times out of 10 are not supporting because they're like, I really care about youth sports. No, you want to ogle underage girls, you fucking creeps. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And I did plenty of those when I was in high school, like raising money for like the baton team's got to go to national. So we're hosting a car wash and people would come through. And if it was somebody that I didn't know, like, because a lot of times it would be like family members or community members that are just yeah, like, they're just like, oh, I want support yeah i just want to support that's cool and then you get like some random stranger and i'm like i don't want to wash that car that dude's looking at my titties mm-hmm. i don't like this god it's the uh <laughs> it's, it's that scene from dodgeball where there's that one guy picking in his belly button while well, justin, justin long, long justin long's wife washing his hubcaps he's like yeah get in there all nice and deep black <laughs> yes like that's what it is so instead of even having the car wash they're like we're just selling dirty old panties because that's what it is like yeah. it's just they it's so like this movie's so smart it makes me want to scream and to watch it just like be completely willfully misunderstood by so many people is so fucking frustrating well i think there's also just something about like um certain sections of uh like this is a very american movie oh like it's this, this is specifically about american high school american culture american teen movies it's painfully, painfully american, american. <laughs> oh my so god so it's like i don't think this has I, I don't know if this has any legs overseas in any way because mm-hmm. it's so tied to our culture. Yeah. But like, I think that's also probably part of it is it's like more of like a general concept of like, this is broad brush jokes, but also hyper specific for teendom in America. Like there's a joke in this movie that is so funny and so offensive and so American and also hilarious that it's coming from MS Eligman of all people. But it's when Marshawn Lynch starts class by saying the Holocaust, it happened. Oh, and, and that then one the kid like, hey. raises his hand and he goes, it did. And like shuts him down. <laughs> and it's like any other country in the world that doesn't like resonate as being funny because other countries aren't fucking stupid. Also, if I remember correctly, isn't that the kid who also wants to blow up the school? Yes. Because he's like a weird alternative kid who's yes. getting bullied, but not really. Yes. Or something happens to like land on his books. He's like, I'm going to really do it this time. Yes. <laughs> 
But the, like, it is such an American fucking thing because in other countries, like, they don't have issues of people being Holocaust. They deniers. don't have to worry about QAnon as like a large vocal thing like we do here. Yeah, like there are like obviously fringe people anywhere. Well, of course, but like the general like people like. <laughs> Like, I love falling down, like, the side of TikTok where it's, like, other people trying to understand America. And they're like, what do you mean there are people who think the Holocaust didn't happen? What the fuck is wrong with them? And yeah. it's like, yeah, man, <laughs> our country's fucking broken. It's yeah. fucking brainworms over here. I mean, I thought you were just going to have that sentence being like, I love falling down. And I'm like, you know what? I also like falling down. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Falling down's a great movie. Um, Men getting to snap and take out their aggression. A common thing. <laughs> Like that's such a, a a good joke. Um, this is like one of like the darker jokes, but I think is really funny. But when they do start going around the room saying like all of their traumas, I love that Sylvie's thing is like how she wants to kill her stepdad, mm -hmm. and she finds any chance she can to be like my fucking stepdad yeah. because that is such like a teen movie thing of like I just got this stepdad, he's awful, and like so we've got that going on. But Brittany talks about I've been assaulted like a million times. But my real problem is that people think that I'm pretty. That makes me laugh so fucking hard mm -hmm. because that is a hundred percent how so many of like these teen movies operate. Because these need to be high school problems because they're in high school and it mm -hmm. needs to relate to their environment because it's like, well, I mean, those are big world problems. We don't want to worry about big world problems. Like maybe stuff that happens at home that can be a part of the character, but like stuff that's like systemic stuff that's like happening outside of like the home in high school. Like that's a little too big. Let's, Let's really centralize this back down to yes. the classroom. And like that's what this movie does so well because anything that is like very like serious, like that is a serious fucking problem, we should probably acknowledge it. The movie doesn't. It like passes over it and then focuses on something like really trivial. Mm -hmm. um, because in that same scene, we also get Stella Rebecca, the one who, you know, models and does car commercials or whatever, where she's like, I have a stalker and I told the police and they told me I had to go to this website. And then I went to the website and they said I had to call. And then I called and they said that uh, they can't do anything until he, he threatens to kill me, but he says he's going to kill me. And they said, well, that's not enough. So, you know, annoying. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. just like, no, that's a very real problem. We have uh, stalker laws are a bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and so to see that like acknowledged and then just like moving on and moving on to something else Again, it's really, really funny. Like this movie, a lot of its humor is the welcome to the dollhouse. I'm sorry your life isn't sad enough to find this funny. Yeah. Like, because it just made, like I burst out laughing when PJ goes, who here has been raped? Because. Gray area stuff counts. Gray area stuff counts. Like it just, it's such a weird breath of fresh air because that's how this is. Like it's so refreshing to be that matter of fact about it. Um, like our, our friend uh, Annie Rose Malamit, also known as Girls Guts Giallo, she made a comment on Twitter the other day that I'm so obsessed with where she says like us rape victims have to stick together. But she wasn't saying it as in like, oh, solidarity. Everybody knows somebody who's been through it. It was like, no, some of us have been fucking raped and it fucking sucks and we should stick together because so many people who have not been through this try to talk over us or on behalf of us as like a generalized problem. And it's like, you don't know we've been through. Shut the fuck up. Take a back seat. And like, it's so nice to have somebody just like jokingly be like, who here has been raped? And it's like, yeah, probably all of us. What's up? Let's talk about it. Let's stop making this feel like this fragile conversation. It's well, just, oh, it makes me feel very happy. What's that thing that you always would see people like reference uh, in like college where it's like, look to your left, look to your right. One of those people has been raped. Yes. Like, 
why do we have to make it so fucking melodramatic? Because and it's like, a serious subject, and that's how most people handle it, and I get I that. Know. But some of us have graduated past that, and also it's been un. Fortunately, very normalized. Some of us are very fucking broken and humor is the way we deal with it. Correct. So like, but I you, also... But like, that again, that's like, you can't make light of it by making a joke. Right. Because everything needs to be a one size fits all where it's like, well, if it offends somebody because you're joking about it, then that means that it's going to offend everybody, even though this is how you're dealing with it. But this person is clearly needs more um, attention than you, mm-hmm. even though you're in the same situation. Yeah. Um, it's... It's 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 very much a um, I don't know it's 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 a little bit of a me problem like a me me kind of mm-hmm. not me specifically but more of a general like this is a me problem that I need to sort out mm-hmm. thing. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I do think that it is weird that people make the assumption or the association that if you're joking about something that you don't take it seriously because that's also not true. Um, some of the stuff that I joke about in my life is like very serious. Like I've talked multiple times on the show about how I have brain damage and I'm probably in a manic episode. That's very serious stuff, but that's just how I process it and Man, how I deal with but it. But like, do you just think about like, that's just life? Like, Cause that's what it is. Like that, it's just, that, that is my normal. Like, God fucking like when M. Bison came to your town, it was the worst day of your life. But to him, it was Tuesday. <laughs> Like, sometimes it's yes. just Tuesday. Sometimes it's just Tuesday. And, like, that sounds fucked up. And, like, that's not to diminish or, like, make any of these problems seem small or unimportant. But for some of us, like, this is our normal. This isn't some scary statistic. It just is part of our life. Mm-hmm. It's like when I tell people, like, that I had pancreatic cancer and I had a 4% chance to live, they're always like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. How do you think it felt for fucking me? What? (laughs) So it's nice to, this movie just like, it's refreshing. Like it's so refreshing more than anything, Mm -hmm. especially in the way that it handles that sort of humor. Um, And this movie is not afraid to showcase like how ridiculous um, high school problems sometimes can be, but at the same time, like doesn't treat them as unimportant. I can't believe they're letting you guys start a fight club. No, they're they're not. We are not. What are you talking about? We're going to do it. We're doing it. PJ, I wasn't being serious. Josie, did you see the way that Isabel and Brittany were looking at us? Ugh. Also, you heard the announcements. Girls are terrified. It's perfect. They need this. Okay, no, they need, like, mace, maybe. We can't do that, okay? We'd be misleading them. Guys do that all the time, okay? That's the point of feminism. That's not the point of feminism. You also don't care about feminism. Your favorite show is Entourage. You're missing the point. I don't really think I am. One of the best moments in this movie for me is when Josie tells Isabel that Jeff is cheating on her with Hazel's mom because Havana Rose Liu... Her face when oh. she's processing her, is her her fucking nuts eyes and her way too big smile and it just contorts for way too long. She's going through like seventy five different emotions. It's a master class in comedic acting. Like mm-hmm. I watched that and I was like, I want to write a movie like around her. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with her. She's so good in this. So fucking funny. Yeah. I mean, she's also really great, like, when she comes up and confronts Jeff when he's in front of, like, the creation of Man Mural of him. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. Like, these, um, like, all those little, like, it, signs honestly, and gags. the background details are some of my favorite part of this movie, which is why I think also being at home and just being able to sit on the couch with you and go, hey, get a load of that. Yeah, just to be able to pause and be like, do you see that shit? You be see like, that shit? Wind this back 10 seconds and be like, look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that also 
tra- tragically, this movie is not performing super duper well in theaters. I think that's um, why it hit VOD so early. Yeah, I think it did well in like large cities and then expanded out to where a lot of our listeners are and why they haven't been able to see it until about now. Um, and it's not doing as well in those uh, areas because one, it's uh, you know a queer film, it's a woman film, it's a teen film. Like these are all a little bit hard sells for some people, but also it's just like. Our VJ was afraid to go to the theater because there were some two dudes that were not threatening but could have been. Mm-hmm. What if there are people who are threatening there if you live in like mm-hmm. rural cornfuck town, Illinois? Right. Who knows? So that's a, a whole thing. But I think that this is going to definitely find way better legs at home where people can watch it mm-hmm. um, and they can like have sleepover vibes, is what we mm-hmm. called it. But yeah, that scene where she confronts Jeff. Oh my God. Um, I'm going to get a gun. <laughs> like, that's just a whole fucking, like, shut up, nerd. I fucked your mom. <laughs> Shit is so funny. <laughs> like, uh, he's he's real good. And she's just so done. Like, she she the way she's walking, he goes, she's walking way faster than normal. <laughs> it's like she's on a mission. It's like, oh, it's perfect. Uh, like, there's so many little bits like that that are like, you know, it's hard not to just be like, I like this moment and this moment. And then I just end up reciting the entire movie um, because there there is so much good in that. And this movie showcases the power to be dumb as fuck. Like, there was an interview that Deadline did uh, after this movie premiered in South by Southwest. So this took place way before the strikes where um, Io Debris said, being stupid is a political act. And this phrase serves as an inadvertent statement of purpose for bottoms. I've had many experiences where things happen and immediately there are 14 questions about my race or my gender or my sexuality or any given permutation at the same time. So often as a marginalized person, people want you to say the right thing or constantly be imbuing things with meaning. Why do I have to give a TED talk? It's radical to get to be ourselves, to get to be stupid, to get to choose whether to be exceptional or unexceptional. We're here. And that's kind of what I have to say. I'm sure if I thought about it more, I can say something more eloquent, but I kind of don't want to. Yeah. I mean, has anybody ever considered that um, sometimes celebrities are just dumb, normal people who happen to be famous? Right. Like, sometimes, like, just let people be fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Let, be, let, 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 let someone who is just, like, doing their job to be an actor not have to also be, like, a major in political science. Right. Like, who fucking cares? Let them make their silly fun movie with their friends. Let them make something that is smart and also dumb and is a good time and not have it be hinged on, like, our crumbling society. So on that note, this is part of the discourse that I wanted to talk about with this movie because it's getting infuriating, uh, to say the least, is that people have been discovering that Io, Rachel, and Ruby Cruz, who plays Hazel, date men and are currently in relationships with men, despite the fact that their characters are all supposed to be lesbians. And people are like, this is a betrayal. This is ridiculous. And it has sparked up the conversation of like, should straight people take away roles from queer people, blah, 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 blah. And this situation is incredibly nuanced and complicated. And also kind of a who gives a shit as far as I'm concerned, because Bottoms is not trying to be Oscar bait. Bottoms is not a movie that is trying to talk about the tortured existence and is set in reality. And this is how queer people actually are. This isn't Brokeback Mountain. 
This isn't Brokeback this Mountain. Isn't, this isn't, this isn't, isn't Dallas, Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. Club. This isn't the Danish girl. No. This isn't all of these fucking shitty white guys making a movie going like, man, I'm going to get so much acclaim for this. Yeah, no, this is goofy nonsense cartoon time. Um, So we should not be looking to this movie for quote unquote like good representation, authentic portrayals. Like, no, that's not what this movie is. So like that sort of thing I, I, doesn't fucking bother me. Two, this cast is queer. Queer people can be queer and also date men. Mm -hmm. That's a thing that happens sometimes. They're called bi or pan or any other you or, know, gray area stuff. in the case of like Io doesn't subscribe to a label and has gone on record saying, I refuse to acknowledge how I identify because of how fans treated um, the actor from Heartstopper, where they essentially bullied him out of the closet because they accused him of being queer baiting. Real people can't queer bait. You fucking weirdos. Well, like, that's not how that works. People saying things, not knowing what terms are like, POV, you're doing this. I'm like, that's not what POV means. <laughs> right. POV, like, no, that, that, that what you're doing is just staring at someone eating Cheerios. That what, what is the POV of this? You don't understand how to use this term. Right. Like, this is, this is at this point a very well beaten horse, but it's just like sometimes people just say stuff and it's not we're redefining it. Mm -hmm. It's you're using words wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also very, very important is that this isn't an instance where like a big studio decided they were making a queer movie and they were afraid that this movie wasn't going to get made. So they had to cast a bunch of straight people in it. Hi, James Corden. This is a movie that has been, you know, the brainchild of Emma Seligman and Rachel Senat for years. They were the ones making this. They are the ones who decided who was going to play which character. Also, it is illegal to ask somebody to disclose themselves. And yeah, you can make the argument, which I do all the time, straight people should not be going out for queer roles. But this is an entirely different situation because lest we forget, the, the director's a lesbian. And in my opinion, it is infinitely more important if you are telling a queer story for the writer and director to be a queer person than the actor. Like, I... Like it's a different ball game. Like when it's a straight director and there are straight actors playing gay, that's a problem. But if there is a queer director and a queer writer and yeah, okay, sure. They're not lesbians, but they're still queer. That's fine. I don't give a flying shit. I don't care mm -hmm. because they're doing a good job. They're being honest and they have somebody who is in a position of power checking them the entire time. And just like leave people alone. Like, leave people yeah. alone. Why are people harassing these actors and being like, I I just, I'm so disappointed that this movie, it, this is erasure? No, it's fucking not. No, it's not erasure. It's not. And also, you're just devastated because you somehow lost your non-existent chance to date X person that you think is hot. Probably Ruby Cruz. That's what everyone seems to be fawning over from this movie. Yeah, because here's the thing. Okay, then. Where's that energy for But I'm a Cheerleader, where Natasha Leone is not queer? Are you that upset? Shockingly. No, you don't care. You don't actually care. You're just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fact, like, the reason that that movie works well is because Jamie Babbitt is directing it, and Jamie Babbitt is a lesbian. And that's what we're getting here with Bottoms. And, it's the same fucking situation. And this is why Philadelphia is a movie about gay people for straight people. Yes, this is a movie about gay people for gay people. Those weird Oscar gate movies, those are gay movies for straight people. Yeah. Like, there is a difference, and, like, if you if you can't figure out that difference, you need to be watching more queer cinema. You need to spend some time in the theory and discourse minds, and y you need to realize that you're you're out of your depth here. I mean, again, this comes down to, first of all, like, I'm 
Talking about modern movies is exhausting because then I have to get wrapped up in social media nonsense that I choose not to be on TikTok for, for these exact reasons, and I don't love it. But this is, again, like the thing we were talking about in terms of how people um, don't process the layers with which this movie is doing what it's doing, and then there's multiple layers of them processing it the way they are. Like... Sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's young people who are talking to other young people about how they feel about this movie that is about canonically young people. Fine. But also it's a movie that is that's kind of made by people in their 20s and appeals, I think, more towards people who are older. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think that this is very much like a like a book smart or a ladybird where it's like, yes, I mean, young people can't appreciate this, but this is very much like people who are in their late 20s and older wistfully looking back on their high school years, um, especially because of the movies that it is kind of making reference to. Mm -hmm. So I'm not shocked that it's developed like weird feelings, but also like, I don't know, man, we're in the reclamation of bimbo culture. Maybe you don't need to think about it that much. Mm -hmm. Maybe the movie can just kind of be dumb and chaotic and like at a base level without having to moralize weird things that don't matter. And it's exactly that. Like they, they matter, but they really don't like these, these, these are high school problems. These aren't grand scheme problems. Yes. And, and, and it goes back to the point that like IO was making about like, why do I have to give a Ted talk? Cause it's like, nobody puts these pressures or asks these questions on like dumb teen boy sex comedies. Like nobody does that for them, but because these characters happen to be queer and because IO is a black woman, no, this is representation. It suddenly, matters. yeah. Suddenly we have to like add all of these like very important conversations. No, we fucking don't like, we really don't. This is a dumb ass weird movie with nonsensical plot and lives in a nonsensical reality with nonsensical situations. It's not you know, really based in our own universe really at all. It's poking fun of it constantly. You should not be looking towards a movie like this to be like an arbiter of queer representation in mm -hmm. America. And quite frankly, if people are going to watch this movie and be like, see, this is why we should be afraid of the gays because they will fight football players and stab them with swords they were going they're looking for a reason to hate us. I mean, they're going to do that no matter what. It doesn't matter how good the representation is, it's going to get spun because that's just, you know, how news cycles work and how conservatism works. Yeah. But I mean, all of that aside, like we keep saying like it's dumb, just let it be dumb. And it is dumb, but realistically, it's really much more absurdist. Yeah, it's more absurdist than anything. You really don't need to apply that much like real-world logic to it. That's not what it's about. Yeah, cuz it it's not it's not operating by real world rules. So why would you expect that of it? Like, yeah, like when there's pineapple juice in the sprinkler system and Jeff's friend decides, huh, I need to lick the grass to find out it's pineapple when he is covered in it and it is currently spraying in his face. Right. Like, yeah, it just needs to be like, what, what, what's the silliest way that we can possibly convey the thing that we're trying to get across here? Right. I mean, we even have the the scene where Josie goes and visits Rhodes, who was their former babysitter, who is not gay Yoda, as she calls herself, which is super funny. And she's like talking about this like high school rivalry. And it's like they they, you know, pulled this person apart with with horses. It's called quartering. She's like, yeah, I know what it's called. Like that is the level of like bullshit we're dealing with here where like it is known fact and like. No one has been arrested over a high school rivalry that has been going on that includes the dismemberment of teenage boys. Mm -hmm. Like, 
this is we're in a bizarro world we are in a funhouse mirror like you cannot look into a funhouse mirror and expect it to give you back a, a perfect reflection well it doesn't exist yeah like the the issue that you have with stuff like this and stuff like barbie and stuff like you know any what's that uh jennifer lawrence movie no hard feelings yes movies like that cannot purely exist as they are outliers of what things currently are mm-hmm. they are the current movie rather than you know uh, uh, one movie in a sea of other films like it. Mm-hmm. They are made by women or they star women or they're queer or they're feminist or they're whatever they are. And they need to be harshly analyzed on those grounds rather than just their own specific thing they're doing, mm-hmm. um, which means the deck, deck is stacked against it. Mm-hmm. Stacked against the people who make it, the people who are in it. Um, people will be the meanest to it. Um, this is why... We see people be much more, I don't know, gracious towards movies made by like straight white guys for the most part, because it's like, well, I mean, there's a lot of them, but like this isn't the be all end all. It's not the only one we're getting all year. Mm-hmm. So that means like if this one sucks, like, oh, man, The Expendables 4 sucks. But, you know, maybe that new Denzel Washington movie will be OK. Mm-hmm. Like there's other big, stupid old man action movies that are coming out. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So but we need to be as harsh because this movie needs to speak to specifically what I want and my experience and my values and all of that. And it needs to do so expertly because it's the only one of this I'm getting this year. I trusted you two and y'all exploited my solidarity. I played the role of an amazing ally. Is this about the time I said Amelia Earhart was a fake hero? Because it's true. Many a guy fly planes without crashing, but you never hear about them. And then it's like, oh, it's so hard to be a girl. We like make less money. We have to lose our last names. I love you. I want to be with you for the rest of our lives. Oh, I love the mint green backsplash in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, you leave me for a motherfucker named Tony. And suddenly, the fucking kitchen is lime green. I think, yeah, I think that moved away from us. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And to sort of wrap things up, there's one other thing we just really haven't talked about in this movie. And it's the fighting. It's the actual violence. Oh, yeah. There's a fight club in this movie. I (laughs) love the violence in this movie and the way that it's shown and that it does not, for lack of a better word, it doesn't pull punches. Um, I like that they get black eyes and broken noses and bloody mouths and bloody lips. I mean, just as a general thing, I like that Rachel Senat as an actress has no problems not being hot all the time. Oh, it's so in, refreshing. In most of her roles, she just kind of looks, you know, she, she looks like a little like in shambles and Shiva baby. She's kind of like disoriented and sweaty in bodies, bodies, bodies. And this one, she frequently has black eyes and mm-hmm. bruises and isn't wearing makeup. I'm like, no, like she's pretty, but like, she's not afraid to take roles where she doesn't look pretty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a neat, cool thing. I agree. I think that's great. I also love uh, how the injuries they get do not follow any rhyme or reason. Like we meet Josie and she has a broken arm. And then the next time we see her, like the next day, her arm is fine. Yeah. And it's just never acknowledged. Super funny to me. Um, but I love the way that the fighting is presented in this because it's twofold of one, it's violent. Like this isn't like they're not 
fucking around. Like, mm-hmm. it is violent. This when... isn't uh, the classic cat fight of, like, Mean Girls where it's like, oh, they fall and they grab hair and then they roll around on the ground. Yeah, no, they're punching each other in the fucking face. They uh-huh. are drop kicking each other. Um, the one that is, like, so visceral is when Hazel is fighting the kid in the cage and they, like, just wreck each other and he fucks her up. Mm-hmm. And when we see Hazel later, like, her face is very puffy and broken. I love intergender wrestling. Like, <laughs> me too. Ah, <laughs> uh, the um, indies. Y- y'all are doing great work. So, like, you know, you obviously show the brutality and the violence of that, but something else that it does really well, and I guess this speaks to us also as wrestling fans, it shows the intimacy of trusting somebody enough to punch them in the face. Oh, damn it. This is where we have to talk about the slap, right? Yes. Okay, so... um. There's there's a principle that I have that has come up a lot where I'm starting to recontextualize my brain based on wordage entirely. Where um you know, The Shining, it, we're we're showing it at the theater I work at. I'm not happy about it, but people keep going, okay, but like maybe Shelley Duvall got tortured, but Stanley Kubrick like made a really good movie and maybe it was worth it or like whatever you know some general encapsulation of that. And it's like no, because now you're excusing it mm-hmm. like it makes it okay. What you need to say is Stanley Kubrick tortured Shelley Duvall and he made The Shining not <laughs> saying like well I mean uh, it was worth it though and like ju- the, mean just- the means justify the ends and like whatever it's like no hold them accountable Max Landis is a piece of shit Nepo baby who's a piece of shit for more than just being a Nepo baby and he made the slap not but he made the slap and it is a stellar piece of human interaction yeah so the slap, um, if you don't know the details about Max Landis, uh, you can go Google that. I'm not rehashing that because I've done it too much and it physically pains me and I don't want to. Um, so Google Max Landis allegations. That's your homework for this week. Um, but Max Landis made a video called The Slap. It is still on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, it was a uh, response to a very viral video that happened called The Kiss. and like 10 years ago. Like 10 years ago. And The Kiss, it's like a black and white video where two strangers are paired up and they consent to kiss one another. And it's this idea of like you can have moments of intimacy with people even if you're not like super romantically into them. It's human connection, blah, blah, blah. So he took that, but he did it with Slap. And occasionally some of the people that pop in there, um, like a couple of the cast members from Victorious are there. Um, Haley Joel Osment is there. Yeah, just some randomly. people who are around. Yeah, I think Chloe Dykstra is also in this. Um, it's just like so a bunch of like assorted people paired together. But the idea is that they are consenting to slap each other in the face. And it is one of the most beautiful like looks at the way that you can interact with each other because there's that anticipation of like, well, I don't want to actually hurt you, but here's what I have to do. There's like a laughter in some instances. There's like like aftercare where they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And like holding each other. And like it's a total stranger. You don't know this person, but it's a wonderful look at like the way that even something violent, something that is like seen to be like dangerous or bad, like doesn't have to be bad it's not a net negative there Mm -hmm. is something nice about this and that's kind of something that you see a lot in bottoms because you you have these moments where like characters will like fight each other and then like isabel will be on top of josie or josie's on top of isabel and like they share this moment that is like very intimate and very lovely because you have shared this moment together of like trusting this person enough 
to put your hands on them. Yeah. Like there is so much trust required. Like again, this is why we like wrestling. There is so much trust required with your partner to do this. It's the same way as dance. It's the same way as theater. It's the same way of anything. Like you are trusting that the person you are working with is going to be there for you. And if something goes wrong is going to help you pick up the pieces. Yeah. And I love that. Like there's like the running joke of like, you know, we just, this female solidarity is really lacking at this school. And they genuinely did build female solidarity at this school by beating the shit out of each other. Well, it's, it's a catharsis, which is like the whole thing that like fight club is about, which obviously like there is referenced in this movie, mm -hmm. but also like girls don't get a rough house. We don't get to roughhouse. Like that's not a thing girls do together because you're not supposed to. And like obviously, this is as you as you know from watching the movie or just even the synopsis. Like PJ and to a lesser extent Josie are like, what if we start this club just so that we can like have hot girls punch us in the face or like wrestle with them? And it's <laughs> Step like on me. <laughs> really, um, it's dubious. Yeah. But like outside of sexual means, because that is not what anybody else in this club is 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 really going for. This is about girls like having physical intimacy and bonding that like young men get to do with each other pretty much from like birth of like boys being boys all the way up until like, you know, whenever, mm -hmm. like, you know, something as simple as like fucking punchies. Right. 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 Like in this, it sounds really, it sounds really backwards in a lot of ways because it's like, Oh, you sound like you're condoning violence. And it's like, no, I'm not condoning violence, but it is really interesting that like we talk all the time about how like, you know, part of the patriarchy's problem is that men are not allowed to express themselves emotionally and they only do it physically. Well, that is how men express themselves is physically. They like they so they do like express themselves physically. There, there's a mutual understanding between particularly masculine men. What like, you know, we talked about the Midwest, like smile or a nod or whatever like that. Like, you know, you go ahead and give your buddy like a like like slug in the arm. And that's essentially like a dad equivalent of like, ah, uh, who let this guy in here? Here comes trouble. It's like. A very much like a bonding way of like, this is how you show your intimacy with about dudes because you can't hug him. That's gay. Right. This, so this is that like you can't you're gay. You can't just hug these girls. You can't just ask these girls out. That's scary. This is how you show your intimacy with them. Right. So like what it does is it's it's showcasing the same way that we have the conversation about how like men don't have you know, the, the emotional bandwidth, like, cause they're socialized to not have it. Mm -hmm. Like women don't have like the aggressive physicality. Like women are definitely more touchy. Like, you know, we have sleepovers where we'll sleep right next to each other and like nobody. But that's soft. Yeah. It's, that's it's, exactly it. It's, it's sensitive. Soft. It's sensitive. Women don't frequently like push each other around or roughhouse. And like, I don't think there's like, like there's a balance that needs to be found. Like, I'm not saying that we should all be crying all the time and also punching each other in the face all the time. I mean, but that, that might, that might solve some problems. <laughs> it, it might fast track some people, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And that's exactly it. One size doesn't fit all. Some people like it, it's, it's a, it's a different love language. It's a different communication style. I mean, I'm, you know, I mentioned this on the film castle. Like I've been in physical fights before and there have been times where like that was the better choice. Like that sounds awful. I don't want to like sound like I'm condoning violence or fighting. Sometimes you just got to let it out. You, like, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> there's an episode that we recorded um, for October that isn't out yet, obviously, but there's a whole talking point about like, you know, teen movie bullshit and how like there's some cattiness that particularly white teen girls do where it's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, you'll just try to emotionally ruin someone's life in like a cockamimi scheme that goes on for like years. And it's like a ridiculous long game versus like, Sometimes you just punch a girl in the face in your school and then you're done. Mm -hmm. You let it out and you're like, okay, cool. We're fine now. And mm -hmm. you, a lot of people don't do that and they especially don't do it in teen movies. Um, something else to that that I find 
interesting. And this is this is kind of a me hang up, I suppose. But my brain, because of growing up as a boy for 18 years, my brain is wired extremely differently than um, other girls where it's like that. That's when you're the most intimate with your friends. That's when you're the most touchy feely with the girls in your lives. Mm-hmm. That's when you're braiding each other's hair and having sleepovers and like cuddling and, you know, oh, no, we only have one bed. We'll sleep in the same bed. We're seven. Who cares? That's not when I had those moments in my life. So, like, I feel weird showing intimacy through sensitive means with the women in my life, particularly as a woman who likes women and particularly as someone who's aware that there is, like, predatoriness in some people's minds with transness and how they see me as masculine, even if they don't intend to. Like, there's a whole lot of layers that go into that Mm -hmm. where I do not necessarily express my physical feelings through like soft intimacy or through punching. Mm-hmm. So then I just don't touch people. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely weird separate thing mm-hmm. in terms of how we process like physical intimacy with people. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it that that's a me thing. I'm not saying like it's better or it's bad or it's, it's anything. Mm-hmm. It's just purely a, a thing that I think about because of how I see other people interact with each other. But that, but that, but that's how it works. That that's mm-hmm. how the gender roles and conditioning are imbued in people. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I I feel similarly in that like I am an extremely physical person. I love to like tell me about it. <laughs> I love to like hug people. I show a lot of my affection with physicality. I'm also like I'm a side bumper. Like I'd be like, come on and like side bump people like it's one of my favorite things to do. But I also know that like a lot of people because our world is very broken and very imperfect and there are people who have done horrible things to a majority of the women in my life that I can't do that because like I don't want to unintentionally like trigger somebody. I don't want to like set them off. So there is this like layer of communication and like a layer of like intimacy that I don't express with people outside of like you um, because I, I, I don't know what's acceptable with people true and, i also think just as an adult in general the specific right. intimacies that you express with people on your day-to-day life it like goes down yeah, definitely it does it changes a lot um and you know again because i i want to make my points abundantly clear i'm not saying that we all need to start punching each other in the face i'm not saying that like if somebody hits you it's totally fine like that's not what it is if you have that conversation and that relationship and there is an establishment of like physicality, it is not in, it doesn't have to inherently be negative. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't um, because it shouldn't be a one size fits all situation because it's not one size fits all. This isn't exactly the same thing, but like you see those signs going around in like subways or bus benches or whatever, where it's like, love should never hurt. And some people post that on the internet and go, I mean, it can sometimes. Yeah, like, sometimes <laughs> it's really fun All when right. it hurts. Like, I get what you're saying, and I understand this is like an anti-abuse thing, but it's like, yes, but if we consent to this as adults, it's really then fun. pain is fun. <laughs> or like, I think about how uh, one of the most viral TikToks I ever had, the reason that I ended up getting off the app for a while, was because I told a story about something that happened with me and my sister. And the people who also had siblings were commenting like, oh, yeah, that was me and my siblings. Like, we fucking threw each other down the stairs. We were, like, constantly fighting sock and boppers, you know, deflate them a little bit so they hurt worse. Like, all these sorts of things. And then you have, like, a lot of people who didn't grow up with siblings or didn't grow up in very touchy households that are, like, mortified. They're like, that's abuse. You realize that's abuse, right? And it's like, I promise you it's not. Like, I promise you that my little sister, who is now, like, 
living her best fucking life, but definitely still has lead from a pencil stuck in her leg from forever from a time that like I accidentally stabbed her. I didn't actually stab her. Like the pencil was really sharp and it was on her bed and we were jumping around and I pushed her and she landed on the pencil. Okay. So like, I didn't like chase her around with a sharp pencil, but she likes to tell everybody like my sister stabbed me with this pencil and now I have a lead in my leg forever. Uh -huh. Um, it's graphite, but whatever. Um, I promise you she's fine. Like she's not like waking up every day and being like, my sister abused me. Yeah. Cause it's not what it is. No, my, my dead brother beat the shit out of me and it absolutely was not a good relationship. Right. It's so, different. <laughs> like again, not everything's a one size fits all, but no. it comes down to uh, this movie. I think it comes down to intent and consent. Like Correct. that, that's what we're dealing with here. And this yeah. movie is really good about that. Yeah. I think that this movie works really, really, really well for everyone who, gets it and recognizes it and loves what it's doing. Mm -hmm. um, it's It's got its audience. Like it's found people who absolutely are like head over heels for it. I've talked to so many people who are like, oh, it's my favorite film of the year. Mm -hmm. Like so many people have been like, oh, it's not even a question. Mm -hmm. Like I had more fun watching this than it. Basically they're talking about this movie the way I talked about Jackass forever. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's my favorite. Nothing's going to come close. Yeah. It's exactly like that. That's my fucking intimacy with people where it's like, I talked forever about that with Chelsea Weber Smith over on American Hysteria about Jackass and male intimacy or, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the way that like Honestly, I grew up there. Jackass Forever is like a really good companion piece to this movie, in my opinion. Kind of. Like they feel like spiritual siblings. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, that's obviously just a bunch of vignettes and this sort of is, but it ha does have a plot. It does get there. Um, and the plot, just, it just uses banana pants logic, which yeah. I love. <laughs> I think that like you're just going to have to deal with like some people loudly saying how much they love this movie. And as a result, then people going, I didn't get it. That means it's bad because I right. it's the uh, the my, one of my favorite tweets I've ever seen, which is a uh, Ted Ted Lasso didn't cure my depression. So it's a bad show. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's very much that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that takes us out on bottom. So Harmony, the question remains, and I have no idea where you're going with this. Uh, Bottoms is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you buying them a ticket so they can go on their own? Dude, if you had asked me after we saw it the first time, I would have had no idea and it would have been skewing pretty negatively because mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I didn't laugh a ton, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I had way more fun watching it the second time and- you know, maybe that's a better environment for some of our listeners being like, now that it's on VOD, maybe this will work for you. Get together with other people who maybe like it. Watch it again. Mm -hmm. Have some drinks. I was smoke, shocked how much more I liked some it weed, Point out weird things in the background. You know, that. Like, mm -hmm. Maybe that'll work for you because the first time did not work for me in theaters. But I'm I'm a little shocked. But, but this, this discussion and breaking it down, like, I love what this movie does. Um, I don't think... All of the comedy works for me, but the stuff that does work, I, I quite like. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a yes. Yay! I, I'm so excited. I was going into this episode <laughs> going like, y'all can have it. I'm going to send it on its own. It's not for me, but like people who love it, love it. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know how often I'm going to revisit it. Or like if I put it on, I might have it in the background while I'm doing other things. Mm -hmm. um, and then pop in for like the parts I like or I notice mean, little details. I mean, we own it now. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. So um, yeah, there you go. Beautiful. Alrighty. Thank you so much for listening to Bottoms. I hope this conversation was everything that you hoped because I know a lot of you were like thirsting for it. Um, so we hope we I hope we, we made you happy and you're satisfied and you're walking away feeling good about it. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at the Sunset Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Blue Sky at BJ Colangelo. 
And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour, or um, over at my name at Blue Sky. Beautiful. And as always, thank you to the Sonner Bombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool band do you want people to check out this week inspired by Bottoms? So I wanted something that um, fit with like the general pop vibes of the Charlie XCX soundtrack of this movie. Uh, but I also needed something that felt a little bit more like you want to kick someone's ass. So the band I'm shouting out this week is called Dream Nails. And specifically like their like single ball pit, which has a, a few other releases on it, like Good Guy and Femboy. Mm-hmm. It's a little Riot Girl. It's like a little bit of uh, danceable. So it's like got like traits of, say, Illuminati hotties or like maybe the gossip in there. Like a, like a little bit of dancing bass groove to it. But also it's got like gnarly loud guitars and good hooks and sensibility. And um, it's a very femme band. So like. I think that this uh, this is something that everybody would enjoy if they like the vibes of this movie. Amazing. And one more time, what's the band name? That is Dream Nails. Beautiful. All righty, friends. We will see you next week for spooky season. What a, we're going on a 50-year swing back to 73. Woo! Can't wait. It's going to be a party. And we will see you then. But don't forget, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.